When I started driving, my brother Joe helped me get a job at Ponderosa Restaurant in Lawrenceburg, Indiana. I was a part-time dishwasher. I worked for $3.75. Do you hear that, you millennials there? (laughs) $3.75 an hour. Eight-hour shift, three days a week, mostly after athletic practices, and I also worked on Saturday and Sunday nights. That job stunk, <laughs> literally. I mean, washing dishes. And uh, the, the nickname of that Ponderosa was Pondagrosa. <laughs> and I had to clean up after everything with those plates anyway. My kids, they uh, would complain about their jobs, and I'd tell them about Pondagrosa. So <laughs> if you've ever had a miserable job, and you might join and sympathize with Jeremiah. He didn't work for Ponderosa, but for 40 years he was a prophet, which meant that his vocation was to tell people what God was saying to them. He was conduit for messages, for mostly bad news. Prophets usually brought bad news to people, and Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. Because the message God gave him called for change. God's people had been disobedient for generations, and God was about to bring punishment upon them. And Jeremiah got to be the guy, and he had a stinky job to b- deliver bad news. As you might imagine, it wasn't, it wasn't received very well. He sometimes got beat up and imprisoned for sharing God's revelation. And I wonder if he invented the term, don't shoot the messenger. Jeremiah was calling people to choose to change. That's not an easy thing to do. We're wrapping up our series titled Ready or Not. And it's all about the fact that change happens. Last week, Pastor Mark and I preached on how Christians, how we should react to change in our lives. Today, Pastor John and I are talking about choosing to change. When faced with the choice of change, sometimes we outright reject change. We don't have the desire. We say things like, I wish things were different, but then we don't do anything about that different stuff. Another reason we reject change is we don't have the ability We might not know how to change. Therefore, we say, I don't know what to do, but I just don't know how to do it. Next is a reason for change. Here we see the shift in the fact that life might be better if we do decide to change. And lastly, we need to know. We need to change. We tell ourselves and others, i got to make things better or things will get worse. So we have a great counseling acronym that's used in the counseling world. It's called DARN, Desire, Ability, Reason, and Need. And it's a part of of motivational interviewing and counseling. I'm sure the people Jeremiah encountered were at various places on the change spectrum in their lives. While he cried out for people to authentically come back to God... They just didn't have the desire or no ability, reasons, 
or feel the need. But the worst thing that we can do is do nothing. We know we should step up and make the change, but we get scared or we, get, we pause and we think about the work that it'll take and we just don't want to do it. So we say, I'll think about it, and then our think about it's become longer and longer and longer and nothing happens. Or we say, I'll soon get around to it and want to tell you that avoiding the decision to change is making the decision to avoid change. You know, the enemy, Satan, loves to pull this one on us. You know, sure, you should get serious about starting to, to dig into the Bible and starting to seek God with all of your heart. But just do that later. Put it off. You don't have the time right now. Or just wait till the next series that's coming up. That intrigues you, but nothing happens. Or you don't need to pray. pray prayer doesn't make any difference. And we hear those lies and deception. And guess, what's, I guess what happens next? Things slide. To make matters worse, at the time of Jeremiah, there were prophets in Israel who were false prophets. They were telling these disobedient people that God was cool with the way things were. And they didn't need to worry about changing. They didn't need to worry about all the doom and gloom of what Jeremiah was saying to them. Some people were hearing two different voices. To show you how hard this made Jeremiah's job, I invited Greg Shuby from the Educational Support Fund here at Anderson Hills. Now, the Educational Support Fund exists to help uh, fund education after high school. Now, it's not a scholarship that requires service, or it is, it's not a scholarship, it requires service back to the church or the local church where they are attending school. Additionally, it's not an endowment, so it requires annual support from folks here at Anderson Hills. So the conversation Greg and I are about to have is that Greg is going to represent Jeremiah who was offering valuable guidance from God for people to make big changes. I will represent the false prophets who will tell you what you want to hear. So Greg, take it away. If you set aside a small amount of each money or excuse me of money each month, you will be amazed at the uh, potential that you will have. It's a 529 savings plan that is the key part here. And what you want to do is invest in that and watch the and let the miracle of compound interest. Compound boredom. <laughs> that takes too long, folks. All you need to do is wait until your kid's senior year and then invest $1,000 in your favorite cryptocurrency and then wait for Elon Musk to tweet about it and it'll go up 200% like within a couple weeks. Boom, 200K. And Susie's education will be funded. Ha <laughs> ha. That is a very risky plan with a high potential yes, for failure. Yeah. If you make small sacrifices, like downsizing that vacation a little, you will be amazed at how much more. Oh, you'll be amazed at how much you're missing out, folks. No, think about it. With the extra money, you could go to the Bahamas. To the Bahamas. To the Bahamas, right here. I want to go to the Bahamas. Okay, who wants to go? Who wants to go? Here you go. Here's the Bahamas for you. Bahamas, North Carolina. That's still the Bahamas. <laughs> 
There's, there is an Obama in North Carolina. Thanks. Let's give Greg a round of applause. You see, you see folks, there's parents of teens and children that, that desire to help you, and they're actually working on some training that could help you plan ahead for your kids' education. And just contact our, our staff about that. That part of the sermon wasn't a joke. But seriously, it, to present the message that challenges people to make positive changes when you're surrounded by false prophets or all these voices in the world that are trying to pull you this direction away. And we know about that in our world right now. And its messages usually reject change. That's exactly what Jeremiah was up against when he was challenging people to make spiritual, serious spiritual changes, to turn back from their covenant with God. Think about how many times you've made covenant with God. And I know I have. And a lot of times I forget that God calls it. Jonathan, remember that covenant, that promise. And that usually helps me make that faithful step forward in that. It's still true for us today. God doesn't want us to be stagnant in our faith or in our spiritual life. So God is always calling to go deeper with him, to draw us close. Because God wants to be close to you, my friend. This is an ongoing process of small incremental, incremental changes or specific choices that cause our minds and our hearts to be transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's what we mean when we talk about spiritual growth. Look at how Jeremiah, let's look at his message and how he challenged them. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They're like stunted shrubs in a desert, no hope for the future. They live in barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into water. Such trees are not bothered by heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green. And they never stop producing fruit. Look at this picture of these two plants. Look at the contrast. People who rely just on their human strength can become like scrawny plant. Not much strength, not much beauty or fruit. Why? Because this thing lives in the desert. It barely gets enough resources to survive. It lives a life of scarcity, not a life of thriving. But the tree, by the river on the other hand, lives a life of, of abundance. It can slurp up the water it needs with its roots going out into the water. I was kayaking yesterday on the Little Miami River, and there was these beautiful, we got to this section around the corner, and there was these beautiful birch trees and you could see their roots going down deep to the rocks and the soil. That's where it was all about with them, these roots. It was location, location, location. And I don't know about you, but I haven't seen a bush or tree walking down Beachmont lately 
looking for more water, they're stuck where they're planted. But thank God for us humans. Think about the spiritual mobility that we have a choice, that we can live and, and seek God and put our roots down into spiritual nourishment and soil. Jeremiah lays out these two spiritual exper- extremes, two options for how we choose to live. And he gives us a powerful metaphor with a lot of detail. Are you connected to God, drinking deeply from that spiritual river? Or do you live in a spiritual desert, shallow spiritual roots? It's amazing how spiritual nourishment is all around us. I remember living as a student pastor in the late late 90s at Asbury Theological Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky. I was a part-time student pastor out in Mount Orb, Brown County there. And all the student pastors lived a couple nights a week in this dormitory on the campground there in Wilmore. It was a pretty run-down dormitory. They called it the leper colony, and I was a part of that colony. And there was a water fountain on the first floor, and next to that water fountain, there was a, a plant, a potted plant. And I noticed, as I was starting to get a drink from the water fountain, I noticed this plant was dying. It was all dried up. And I thought about the irony as I was sipping on the water. I was like, here it is, right next to this water fountain. And here, it's dying when it's right next to the source. So I had an ingenious plan. I was too lazy to go get a cup, so I just filled my mouth up with water. (laughs) And I went, (laughs) and I did that like 20 times. And the plant was probably going, oh, thank you. I don't care if it's your spittle in it or whatever. But think about it. The source of water was right there. There's so many nourish, there's so much nourishment right next to us. At Anderson Hills, we have six habits that we practice together. And if you're a part of this community, you know about these habits. Spending time with God, habit number one. Second, giving generously of resources. Third, participating in life groups and small groups. Fourth, sharing your faith, your excitement about what God is doing in your life. Fifth, serving in ministry. Six. And you're practicing it right now, worshiping God. These habits, they pour out fresh water when we feel dry. They form us into excited people living for God. Hear me, friends, we can spend our lives in a spiritual desert. We can't buy into Satan's lie that we can't be any different. And there's there's some lies to keep us uh, stuck one of those lies is, oh, you're too bu- busy, you're too important, or you're too cool or talented for all that God stuff. Or, you're not a spiritual person. Those are for people who sit around and meditate and hum. Or another lie is, you can't pray like so-and-so. You just don't have that connection with God like they do. Or, another lie, you've done so much bad stuff. There's no way that God will want to have a close relationship with you. These are all from the pit. These are just a few. What lie? What is the lie that you have bought into? So God is calling us 
out of the weakness of that lie into a place of spiritual strength. In the exercise world, it's called core strength. Like yesterday when I was kayaking and I woke up this morning, my abs are totally sore. Oh my gosh, I can feel them right now. And I know that I probably should be doing more planks. My core needs some work. Having a solid core makes you solid in your spiritual life. How are your spiritual core muscles? Let me suggest a simple test to help you know. Listen to this question. How did you respond to the last big, unexpected, unwanted change in your life? What did you run to? Think about all the things and ways of how you responded to that. Here's the key. Changing your relationship with God can help you handle all the other changes in your life. I can't tell you how strongly I believe that. If you're struggling with change in your life, I challenge you to look deep at your relationship with God. Why? Because a growing faith just does not stay the same when you're connected with God. It's always changing and growing and getting more and more invigorating. And I've discovered that as I live on and I experience the changes that come along in the human journey. You know, it doesn't mean that change will always be easy, but when you have those strong spiritual roots, you can withstand the storms of life. And Jesus talked about that in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Listen, he says, there, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine puts them into practice. It's like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain came down. The streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. We all know we should build on the rock and what he says here and not on sand. So how do you know if you're doing that? Jesus makes it real simple. You hear his words or as you read them off the pages of the Bible, you practice that word. That helps when these changes will come. That's the rock. You know, it feels good when you put a, a person's word into action over a year ago, I was taking a golf lesson uh, from a golf pro. He was, he was standing right behind me, and he was giving me specific instructions on my golf game. And he, he would say, now, now, keep your head still. Keep your eye on the ball. Bring the club back slow. Keep your head still. <laughs> and and I, I would have his words in my brain, and I would try to turn that into action. And, and it took a long time to get into that, that, get that muscle memory going. But to this day, I still hear him behind me, and I have this checklist in my mind. Jonathan, keep your head still. Keep your head down. You slow down your backswing. Keep your eye on the ball. And I remember after a few times uh, from his word behind me, I connected. And I popped that sucker straight. And it probably went about 270 yards. I let that driver eat that ball, man. And, 
And again, I hear these words. And that's what Jesus is saying. Put these words of mine, as any coach will tell you, when you put the words into practice, you are able to navigate in this life. So when situations come, you think about the words of Jesus that you can put into practice. Jonathan, in this situation, be a peacemaker. Jonathan, judge not. Don't worry about your life. Don't take record and keep record of wrongs. You think about those things, the practice that we have off of reading God's word. Jesus said, when you put my words into practice, your life will stand on solid rock. I want to be built on the rock. So I have to decide to submit fully to Christ, trusting him and allowing him to change me through those words and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He is, after all, in the life-changing business. And I trust God to give me wisdom and power to make the choices necessary to change. And it happens through that choice. When your life is built on a rock, you don't have to fear everything new or resist every change. You know that we say, uh, serve a God that says in Revelation 21.5, I am making everything new. And folks, I believe this daily. I am making everything new. Newness in the midst of change. Newness in navigating that change. That means God is, in, in, is changing circumstances. God is changing hearts, changing minds, changing cultures. And God invites you and me into that change. And we have to choose it. You think about the contrast of this picture again. Think about your spiritual life right now. Which of these images best defines your spiritual life? What changes do you need to make in order make God your top priority. Maybe the change is very uh, obvious, but maybe the change needs a whisper of the Holy Spirit to come and enter into your mind and your heart and your soul. Maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit or the, the obvious changes is abandoning something that is dragging you down, uh, helping you gain freedom uh, of a secret sin or obsession or addiction. Uh, maybe it's giving up a grudge or a negative attitude. Maybe somebody who has offended you, we have to give that up and seek them out and heal it. Maybe it's pursuing greater faith and able for you to persevere in a difficult situation or relationship. You see, there's no guilt and shame in this. It's just taking a personal assessment of where we are that's true and real and experiencing the truth. You know, if you're feeling pretty dry now, folks, you're not alone. Some of the greatest uh, Christians had those dark nights of the soul, had those times of dryness. And maybe you're feeling um, more like a tree by the river, possibly. Well, then praise God for that. Continue to ask God to transform you, like I said, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. God is calling us to choose to change. Maybe God is stirring up some holy disconnect in your life right now, and you realize that you're in a rut. Listen to this. If you keep doing the same things in your spiritual life, you will keep getting the same results. What is God calling you to change? 
You see spiritual stagnation that slips in quietly. And it's easy to miss the fact that you've distanced yourselves from God. And we feel like, I'm so far away from you, God. And God will be like, my child, who moved? And a lot of times that happens without that realization. Maybe it's just taking that first step of digging into the Bible reading plan or joining a life group or a band or start exercising or finding a Christian counselor or seeking a spiritual friend and talking about that holy discontent or that dryness. Maybe you're unsure of where you are in your spiritual journey. I have a great idea for you. There's a spiritual growth track that starts April 22nd that will help you identify where you are and learn how to move to becoming Christ-centered and enjoying that profound love of God and, and close relationship with joyful obedience and invigoration. There's a sign-up uh, on the events page right now online. Folks, don't settle for less. God has the best for you in your life right now. Don't settle for de desert when you can be like a, a perch tree planted next to a river. Don't settle for spiritual stagnation when you can have a relationship that's alive and flourishing, invigorating, being tapped into through Christ Jesus. Take a risk. Do something different. Take that step.